Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. We're here. We said we would be. Today am Thursday. And uh, although the season isn't literally dead, it is on life support and many are asking to pull the plug. We're in a situation now where we've entered Looney Tune land in the studio. Elliot Rearing doesn't know what to do with himself because he realizes that the season is more than likely officially dead. He's made it his main goal today to try to make me laugh during this show. Half of me wants to be sad because the season, for all intents and purposes, is dead. Half of me uh, wants to semi-believe and be proud. I'm not sure which of the two I should. The truth is, as me and you both know, if you watched this Reds team all year long, they were a joy to watch, they were fun to watch, there was times where uh, you felt like and you believed that this team was going to make the postseason. Then there would be stretches of baseball where you wondered if they were going to be above 500. Still not official that they're above 500, but as much as we might want to make that out to be nothing, this franchise has only done that a handful of times. Will I be super excited if they were to win one game out of three in St. Louis and have a quote-unquote winning season? I don't know if that would really do the, do the job, considering this season's been about one thing, I think. It's been about growth. It's been about the opportunity to see a bunch of guys that you were, quite frankly, had no idea who they were going to be at a major league franchise once they came up here. Sure, the whole prospect thing, they're supposed to be good, this, that, and the other. We've seen that before. That doesn't always pan out. But we're in a situation now where you can truthfully, as a Reds fan, I would like to believe, have something to look forward to. And the thing is, all of the things that we would like to have happened before the season started have happened. The problem is, is that you got shown something that you thought was going to be a possibility, and now it's, it's quite frankly gone. That is unless you want to be on the Looney Tune land of believing there's still a chance, which would require the Cincinnati Reds to sweep the St. Louis Cardinals, coupled by the fact that the Marlins are going to have to lose three of their next four games. If they were to lose all four games, oh, by the way, they play the Mets and the Pirates, the Reds would then just have to win the series against St. Louis. Then you have the Cubs. If you've watched the Cubs the last few nights, I don't know how anybody in their right mind could possibly believe that they're going to get it done. However, if I was the Brewers, I would consider throwing a few games. I certainly would much rather play the Cubs right now than the Marlins. So if you're the Brewers, you got to ask the tough questions up there in Milwaukee. Do you just maybe try to allow the Cubs to sweep you at home? Just to be able to turn around and wax them? Those are the tough questions they have to ask in Milwaukee. The tough questions that we have to ask is what's next for this Reds team? Is Jonathan India staying? Is Tyler Stevenson still going to be the catcher? What do you do about the bullpen that's, quite frankly, ran completely out of gas or so it appeared towards the end of the season? You have a lot of starting pitching, but do you trust any of them? And by any of them, I mean quite literally any of them. 
You could convince me that Hunter Green could be a Cy Young winner next year, and I'd believe you. You could also convince me that he'd be on the outside of the rotation looking in, and I could believe you. There's a lot of questions to be answered this offseason. But it is hard to have perspective the day after the season officially, for the most part, seems and appears dead. So we'll talk about the Reds briefly here in this show. I also feel inclined to let you know that there is the NFL action tonight. We have draft or die. Somebody, somebody might have lost draft or die last week. His name might be Reed. Mm. We'll see exactly what happens with that later in the show. Elliot wrote the script. So you can only imagine, you can only imagine what it says. If you were in the studio right now and you seen what was going on with Elliot Rearing, you'd quickly realize that he's earning him a trip to, he's earning him a, he's earning him a round trip to Toledo on Saturday. No, as no, we, no, no. As we speak. <laughs> but with all seriousness for, for just a short, I guess, couple minutes here. This Reds team couldn't have possibly done anything more than we could have asked them to do. They were, for the most part, a joy to watch. They were fun. They were energetic. They were entertaining. And although I'd like to sit here and tell you you're guaranteed to have the same thing next year, we all know that's not the truth. So I'm not one to sit here and forecast and proclaim that we're the Orioles. Next year, we're going to win 95 games. If you believe in analytics and you believe in run differential, then clearly that's not the, uh, the ultimate end-all, be-all. Because if that was the case, we all would know the Chicago Cubs would probably lead the National League in wins. And then the Cincinnati Reds would have maybe won 70 games. But there is a little bit of truth to the idea that going into next year, this Reds team found a way to win probably more games than they were supposed to. So you're going to have to find a way to get better just to get back to where you're at now. Hopefully, Nick Kroll in the front office can find a way to, to go out and find the right pieces. There's going to be some pieces out there. The question is, will they go get them? I'm sure we'll have a little bit of debate and topics to, 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 to converse about that. But tonight, the Packers do play the Lions to get the NFL started this week. As a reminder, the Bengals try to get back on track and continue their efforts to get back to 500. They play the Tennessee Titans in Nashville this Sunday. We have some college football, which to be honest with you, I've been knee deep in the Reds. We've had the bashes every Saturday, so I've not really gotten a chance, fellas, to really discuss and talk about college football at length. And to be honest, I have no idea what the slated games are this week. It's been a relatively lousy college football season outside of last week. Mm. We'll get into all of that. I'm sure Reed will tell us how bad college football is, but also... We have the other boss in the studio. Got a little peer pressure. He got peer pressure. We'll just call it what it is. He got bullied into sitting down in the seat. <coughs> Next week, uh, you guys got 100 likes, so Reed's not allowed in the studio. So we had to find a replacement. Replacement is, uh, I don't know. We'll let, we'll let him say whatever we should call him. I'll let you guys figure that out. I don't want to say <laughs> what, what, what he should be called. Obviously, we got the zebra over there trying every, everything which way to, to, to distract me this morning. 
College football, the, uh, the, the biggest games of the week, what are they? Well, of course, it's Penn State at Northwestern. <laughs> USC at Colorado. Let me guess, game day is going there. Big noon on foxes. <laughs> so they actually are. What a joke. Colorado's hosted the big noon kickoff twice. They've hosted game day once. Colorado is, quite honestly, maybe going to win six football games this season. The Florida hosts Kentucky. Georgia hosts, or Georgia's at Auburn. Nebraska's, uh, I mean, what, do we have any good games? I guess Texas, they host Kansas. That's where we're at in college football. The lowest ranked game is uh, Notre Dame versus Duke. Lovely. LSU, Ole Miss. Fair enough. All right, well, here's the thing. We'll have a decent amount of things to talk about, but right before we do all of that, I just want to let you know I hit a button today. I hit a button. Uh, and it said, turn on membership. What that means for many of you, I don't know. But I said before, I'll say it again, the support that you guys provide us on a daily basis is, uh, is very, very much appreciated. And we are in the mindset and of, the, of, the, uh, of the desire to start adding and building around here and trying to produce more and more and more content. If you don't have the means to do it, by all means, don't worry about it. It's not that big of a deal. But if you join the membership, you get a little nice membership icon next to you. You have some emojis that you're allowed to use with inside the chat. And there's three different levels. First level is Nut Cutter. It's going to get you those, uh, those little badges. It's going to give you the opportunity to use those emojis in the chat. Second membership level is going to get you some behind-the-scenes access videos that we're going to put out. Maybe some uh, more golf challenges. Well, I think those are going to be just around the corner again. Probably some other challenges, maybe some arguments in the office. Who knows? You're just going to get a kind of a behind-the-scenes look at different things that go on around here. Content that we probably uh, don't trust putting out on the uh, complete World Wide Web because it's just a little ludicrous. We try to keep somewhat of our, of our name in good standing. The little of it that we have left. And then, of course, the last membership is Fiery. <laughs> So if that's something you're interested in, hopefully you got a good amount of money in the bank. But if you can do it, by all means, you get once a month, you're allowed to just tell us when Reed has to leave the show. You get a chance to come to lunch with us with the Wheel of Lunch. And you also get some other privileges and perks that are inside the membership. So we'll start with the, the man of the hour. The guy that I was thankful that when I got in here, he actually showed up. I really do appreciate his loyalty to the Cubs because, boy, it's got to be a tough one. Reed, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, good morning. Hi, my name's uh, Nicholas Reed Mouse. I'm 27 years old. My dad never told me he loved me growing up, and that's probably why the way I am. But, yeah, I, my entire life I wanted one thing. I wanted one thing only as the Cubs were my favorite sports team. I wanted the Cubs and the Reds to be in a pennant chase. I got that. And I got the worst possible outcome out of that because neither the Reds and more than likely neither will the Cubs make the postseason. So my favorite team doesn't get in. And then the team that all my friends, family, and everyone I love doesn't get in. And it's, it's troubling because at one point I thought they both could get in. And it's just been a bad September. Um, I'm okay, though. I'm okay. The Cubs, I mean, if you're not accustomed to this as a Cubs fan, 
I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't I don't know what to tell you. I mean, this is this is the whole point of being a Cubs fan. So, I digress. Yeah, I mean, last night wasn't great. I was watching the Reds game, so I can feel Reed's pain. I, I never really thought that there would be three teams from the NL Central that made the postseason. Uh, it looks like that two teams might not make it now. It's no, I think they won't. I think I think the Marlins have a pretty good edge on everybody else. So we'll find out. But the Reds are alive here at game 159. If you would have told me that the Reds' season would be alive in the last two day, three days of the season, I would, I would have laughed at your face. So there is some, some solace to take away. I, I, I look back at this season, and again, I've said it before, I'll say it again, it's probably the most fun I've had watching baseball, watching this Reds team, watching the young guys come up and prove to the rest of the league that we're a contender, which is pretty crazy just a contender for the postseason. But last night sucked. Andrew Abbott, God love him. I, I think he's pitched way <laughs> more innings than he's ever pitched in his life, more meaningful innings than he's ever pitched in his life. High stress, high pressure. And you just saw it last night. He, he had a case of dead arm. I just think his arm is out of gas. I think the Reds are out of gas. The the video, I, I'll try to find the clip at some point during the show, but the video of – India, Stevenson, everybody in, in, in the clubhouse just looking dead. That sucked. That was a sad video. But I, I, it, was, it was like Stefan Diggs staying on the field for the trophy presentation in the AFC Championship game. Just bad. Just bad stuff. But uh, the Reds fought till the very end. They're still alive, technically. I mean, I, when they lost, when they blew a nine-run lead to Pittsburgh on Saturday, it was over. I mean, it was over then. No, you guys could have said whatever you wanted, but it was over right. It was over right there. I don't know if you could say it was over then, but I can say that yeah, can. it is really close to over now, and and, and really comes down to the Marlins today. Marlins win today, it's over. Marlins lose today. I'll, I, I'll be honest, I still have like this weird, uh, just small amount of hope. It's it's like two percent level, but that's where it's at. All right, we're gonna send it over to the. Uh, I don't know what we're gonna call it right now. Um, Spurs gonna 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 fill in here for some shows. Who knows how long he's gonna find a way on this show? But the truth is, is that Sean was a part of the uh, the foundation of this company. He helped found this with me, and we didn't know what we were doing at the beginning, and we just kind of kept doing stuff. And eventually, we found ourselves on a show that we do every day on the internet. Drew Garrison's asking where OJ is. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> They've been asking that question in the, LAD, the LAPD office for a long time as well. So I'm not sure where he is, uh, but I'm not overly concerned about it. So we'll send it over to you, Spur. You, you watch this team all year long. Um, are you casting them as dead? Is, is that what you're doing, or where are you at on the red legs? Well, first <clears throat> first off, we're going with the bear. You guys are going to call me the bear. Spur bear. Spur bear. bear. The bear of chatterbox. Spur bear. The reds are dead, Elliot. It's over. It's over. It, it, last night was a chance. I do want to give a shout-out to uh, Jonathan India last night. That's right. We've kind of crushed him in here a little bit this year. I wish you guys have at times. And I have. He, he did show up and have some big hits in that game last night. The bullpen again kept him in the game, gave him a chance there late, but they just couldn't pull it out. Yeah. But uh, I'm happy to be in here with you boys and chop it up and talk some Buckeye football and some nope. Cowboys yeah. football. And <laughs> yeah, God Buckeye football. <laughs> Do you think – would you have fought Lou Holtz? If you have the opportunity, would you fight Lou Holtz right now, Spurman? Hey, don't talk, don't talk about our team. If you're in the media and you talk about us, I don't care if you're 90 or 10. 
Ryan Day will come at you. Heard it here first, Ohio State fans. They'll fight 90-year-olds and 10-year-olds. It don't matter. <laughs> the Ohio State. The. One, yeah. one, one last point is uh, Elliot was scrolling through those college games. Who would have ever thought that we'd have a week of college football and there'd be two ranked matchups, and it would include Kansas and Duke. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's you know what? Trace was talking about uh, just the, the slate of college football. And man, what a – I mean, just Here every we single go. week. Every single week they just, they just keep putting out great games. Good for them. It's really – it's a fantastic product. It only matters about two times all fall. But, yeah, go on. Herb Street's working on that ranking. Yeah, you know yeah. he is. He's working on that top four. Old Kirky. It's Old already Kirk. been written. Herb Street already wrote that down in his diary. So we'll see. We'll see. Casey, how are you? Reed, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I, I'm I'm feeling a little sad for the Reds fans. I was actually giving updates to the people that were in the chat on uh, Mac and JT. Um, they just couldn't get it done last night. I was I was disappointed for you guys. Um, as a guy who's been following baseball now for just one year, followed the Reds team, I feel like I've had a, a pretty good experience so far. I, I feel like I've been a little spoiled just with how all these players have had a lot of ups and downs. I'm sad that it's over now. I wish we could have gotten into the playoffs, but I feel like I'm on a pretty good start as a fan, as a Reds fan. Yeah, I mean, it's probably the most successful <laughs> successful season that's been around in a long, long time. Now, you can make the argument, at least I'd make the argument, that it was more successful than the uh, than the COVID year, the year that they got swept by the Braves. Now, I know many people might say that that's not true because they made the postseason. But, again, it's all about perspective. It's all about what you expected coming in and what you actually got. And uh, you'd have to go – Hell, even back to 2012, I mean, that was a pretty devastating end to that season. So it was as devastating as the end may feel, it's nowhere close to the devastation of not scoring a run in Atlanta. And we all know what happened back in 2012 against the Giants. We're not going to get into that. But what we, will, what we will say, at least for the Reds, at least in my opinion, is this. At least they proved, in, at least, again, this is all psychological, make yourself feel better. I think they proved they just weren't good enough at the end of it all. Which makes me feel a little bit better. If this Reds team, hear me out, would have won the last eight of their last ten. And somehow the Marlins just got absurdly hot. And the Cubs got absurdly hot. Or whoever it may be. And in fact, the Diamondbacks did get hot. And you find yourself looking out. And you didn't make the postseason. And you won like 86 games. That would hurt. This Reds team all year long has had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to win a big series or to win a big game. And they just haven't done it. They haven't done it. I would almost argue they haven't done it one time. Maybe I'm wrong, but when was the last time this Reds team went into a big series and they won the series? When was the last time they had a must-win game or what we deemed as must-win and they actually won. It started that day game against the Twins. Hunter Green was rolling. Again, this isn't to just go back and rehash all these wounds, but Hunter Green was rolling. They didn't finish the deal. Okay, so you get some help from the Cubs. You get some help from the Marlins. We scoreboard watched all together. And by God, how many times were we super excited that when we scoreboard watched, we got exactly what we needed? 
We've gotten it multiple times. So then you go into the Pirate series and you're like, okay, we got to sweep the Pirates. That's how naive we were at the time, right? We got to sweep the Pirates. You lose game one. All right, you take two or three from the Pirates, you sweep the Guardians. We did this game for how long, people? The truth is, is they did not win any of these meaningful games and meaningful series, for the most part, all year long. But that doesn't take away from what they did do. They had one of the best months of baseball that any of us have witnessed for the Cincinnati Reds. And by any of us, I mean most of us. Certainly, there's some folks that are probably going to harken back to the good old days of the big red machine, <coughs> this, that, and the next. <laughs> it's almost like karma that I bring up the big red machine and something falls. Because I love the big red machine, of course. And I think they should probably do some more promotions down at the ballpark about them. Maybe some bobbleheads. They don't bring them up enough. What do you think, Elliot? I'm not a big bobblehead guy. I think those promotions are Bobby C's way to get uh, suckers into the ballpark. But here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. I, we're probably The Reds, I say we uh, professionally, you say the Reds. But I, I say we because I'm a fan. Uh, I say we too. There's nothing wrong with that. We have watched this team, and we'll probably, lose, we'll probably miss the playoffs by roughly one and a half to two games. <laughs> I'm looking back at the season and some of the losses that we've had, just some of the just absolute gut-wrenching gut losses. And it's just that the, the realization that you could have had it if you played a little bit better, if you don't get swept by the Brewers after the All-Star break, if you could score one run in Milwaukee before the All-Star break. There's just so many. The Sunday in Oakland, the game where you had a nine-run lead over the Pittsburgh Pirates, a franchise who, quite frankly, shouldn't be a franchise. I mean, there's just so many, and and, I, and I'll give, and I'll, and here's the other thing. Zach and I, my friend Zach and I, were talking about it last night. The Reds have stolen games. We stole two from the Cubs. We stole a couple from the Diamondbacks. We stole a couple from the from the Mariners. The Reds have been stealing series left and right all throughout the year. We we swept the Houston Astros. We, Rangers. We beat, we beat. We swept the Rangers or beat beat the Rangers. We, the Dodgers. We've taken care of business the whole year. So the Reds have lucked into some wins. But at the end of the day, you're, we're going to miss the playoffs by two games. And it's going to hurt knowing that it was right there. The opportunity, every opportunity in the, in the world was there for the Cincinnati Reds, and they didn't take it. Trace has been right. It, it just seems like even when we've played in these me meaningful games down the stretch, the wins that we've been getting against those teams in those meaningful series, they've been lucky wins. They've been comeback wins. They've been just preposterous, preposterous games. So you can look at it both ways. You can look back at the season and say, we could have had it. We should have had it. You can also look back at it and say, we stole like 25 wins this year and we should, we had no business winning these games, but right now it just hurts right now. It hurts. And I think what's going to happen. And I hate to say it. I think this season's going to come down to 162. I think we're going to get all the way to 162. Oh, no. And then the Reds will no-show in St. Louis. We'll lose that game 9-0. And then we'll just miss the playoffs in the most brutal way possible. I've been a Cincinnati Reds fan, a Cincinnati fan, Cincinnati sports fan for 24 years now. I've experienced no, nothing good. I've experienced only heartbreak. And I expect nothing less from this team. They are going to keep fighting and fighting until 162. And then they will no-show and quit and die. Other than that, I, I, I think... If I'm going to take away the joke, the shtick, I'm very happy with the season. I'm very happy for the future. But this is going to suck. This is going to hurt. 
Do you think that the Reds make the postseason if it wasn't for the Umpires Association of America? Here we go. No, 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 You don't get to say anything. Last night, the guy's clearly safe. They go to review it. And you don't they get can't to, overturn it? You don't it? get to say anything. They're out to get you don't the get Reds. To, here's the thing. You don't They're get to out say, to get here's the, the Reds. Thing. Here's the thing. You don't get to say anything. The Cubs scored a run last night on a foul ball. Correct. So I'm not going to... The Cubs have the umpires at our back. We pay them off every single game. That's why we get calls like that. The Reds, they're out to get the Reds. And it's freaking troubling. It's terrible. It's terrible for the sport. <laughs> it pisses me off. It pisses me off <laughs> that the umpires are out to get the Reds. I mean, why does Major League Baseball, why does mainstream media, why do all these big corporations hate on the little guy all the time? They show up to the ballpark, and you know what the, the, they talk about at home plate? You know when the managers, David Bell and whoever the opposing manager says to the, to the umpires at home plate? Umpires look David Bell square in the eye and say, we're going to F you tonight. We're going to F you. Dude, You're not going to get a chance to win tonight. Not do, a chance. Do, 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 do. Out from under the bridge. There he is, the troll. He's made his appearance for the day on a Thursday. That's where that's where the Cubs scored a run last night on a foul ball. Right. Here's the thing. Because the ball the, hit the back. MLB wants the Cubs to make the Two things I want to bring up. Two things I want to bring up. The first one, we'll talk about it. It's the play at second base with Marte. One can make the assumption that that's just a tough play all around. It's, it's a double 90% of the time. First of all, the ball doesn't hit the robo, uh, not the robo, but the, the, the rent-a-cop out there in right field that's just standing on the stool. I mean, that ball was inches from hitting him. That's an automatic double. And it bounced right to the guy. And you know what? He made the, the right fielder, I don't know the kid's name. but Ramon he made, Laureano. What's his name? Ramon Laureano. Ramon Laureano made a great play. He, he charged in. He knew his ballpark very, very well. It kicked off the little stanchion right there and bounced right to him. And he made a good throw to second base. And I don't fault Marte with one out. With nobody out, I would have been a little pissed off. But with one out, it's hard for me to get upset at Marte trying to stretch that into a double. Clearly, there is an argument to be made about whether he was safe or out. And we've done this discussion in here before about the replay center. And I, and I have to be honest with what I feel and what I see. I can understand why they called it stands based off the way that they interpret things in New York. If it's even remotely close in New York, they call it stands. What seems like every single time. They hide behind that. They hide behind the stands. We know they do that. And if you watch the replay, when Marte goes to slide in, and his thumb is kind of up in the air, if you will. On the very, very initial, the very first initial tag, you can make the argument that it's somewhat close from tagging his thumb. Do I think he tagged his thumb? No. And as I said last night, I will say it again. If for whatever reason, they made this a thing inside the MLB studios in New York. And they said, hey, there's two circles. We're going to play a game of life or death. I want you to go. God knows the true answer, whether he was safe or out. I want you to go stand in each circle. If you think he's safe and you're right, you, you live. If you think he's safe and you're wrong, you die. You got to go over here into this other circle, which is death, or which is that he's out. So if, you're, if he's right, 
If, if you're right and he's out and you're in that circle, you live. If you would have done that to every single person in that MLB studios last night, every single one of them would have gone in the safe call. They would have all gone in the safe call. That's my main small issue with replay. Is that we are essentially looking at it frame by frame, slow motion. Reasonable minds would all say, he's safe. But for whatever reason in replay, and it's not just the MLB, it's the NFL, it's all of them. They want to let the call on the field be the first main prerequisite to all, which makes no sense. Why is the guy that's trying to make the call in real time have the ultimate jurisdiction over whether someone's safe or out or whether there's a touchdown or not a touchdown? Why can't the person that's sitting behind the, 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 the huge monitor in front of them and if 99% of the country and 99% of the people that watch sports say, yeah, that's a catch or yes, that's an out or no, he's not out or whatever it may be, why don't we go off of that? But instead, we're going to go off of, quite honestly, a guess in real time. That's what it is. I've umpired before. I will tell you, if you ask any umpire in the world, do you know when you get them all right or wrong? The answer is you don't. Some of them are so damn close, you just go off your instinct. You don't know if you're right or wrong, but you just, what do you do? You make a confident call so nobody argues with you. That's not why the Reds lost, though. I'm not going to use that as the excuse. I know some people may want to mm. do that, but the truth is, if you want to play devil's advocate to that point, Marte slides in, he's safe at second. That's fine. L.A. De La Cruz then winds up, he hits a ground ball to first base. That what? Moves Marte to third. And then there I was, guess you there have There was to a pass ball during that at bat. There was a pass ball during that at bat. Sean brings up. So who knows, but ultimately I'm not going to sit here and say that was the difference in the game or that was the reason they won or lost. They had chances, they had opportunities, they just didn't do it. And you know what, I also want to say, I think you got to give the Guardians some credit, fellas. Like, I actually think Shane Bieber threw really well. I, I usually come in here and crush the offense when they only give up three or they only score three runs. I don't, I'm just, it's hard for me to do that because I, when you watch that game, he was, he was hitting corners. Three strikes. Threw, he threw... I mean, that knuckle curveball that he was throwing, I, you know, I love Spencer Steer as much as the next guy, but I think Spencer Steer could have honestly stood up there for 100 of those knuckle curveballs in a row, and he was going <laughs> to sling at 100 of them that landed right in front of home plate. I mean, sometimes you just, the guy has better stuff than you. The one question I want to ask, Mr. Trollman. Sling it my way, Big Pimp. Is, uh, are you mad about the fact that, oh, oh they want to celebrate Ronald Acuna Jr. going 70-40. <laughs> and, oh, my gosh, look at that. They're going to waste They're gonna waste a minute and 40 seconds to celebrate their franchise guy, a guy that did something that hardly no one else in the history of baseball no has ever has done. done it. No one else has done it. No one else has done it no ever. No one's but, done 40-50. But, but heaven forbid the Braves get in the way of the, of the Cubs blowing their chances to get to the postseason. How do you feel about that? I didn't care. I didn't care. One, one iota. I, listen, I thought both, both parties, obviously this is a thing that has never happened in Major League Baseball. They've been playing Major League Baseball for over 150 years. And no one's gone 40-50, let alone 40-70. So if Ronald Acuna wants to stand out there and, and celebrate at home, take the bag off, they want to do a montage, they have every right to. I also think that Jim Deshaies, who I think is the best color commentator in the game, I think that he has every right to be pissed off because 
I think it's a, you know, you guys talked about Ryan Day as a sense of frustration. You know, Jim Deshays is frustrated about the way that the Cubs have played as a, as he's been in every game. And they're blowing another lead. And then all of a sudden they've got to stop for two minutes and an extra innings to celebrate the opposing player doing something. I think both parties have every right. I think Jim Deshays has every right to be pissed. I think Ronald Acuna and the Braves have every right to celebrate right there. So I didn't care either way. Sitting at home. I was not sitting in my couch going, what the hell is going on? This is terrible. I like the game. And I think 40-70 is something that we'd never see before. And we saw it. Shout out to New Rules. So, yeah, if you want to get on me for, for trolling, sure. Whatever. Whatever you want. I don't care. I don't care. Because, listen, like I said earlier, whether you guys realize it or not, the Cubs are a big market team. They've got a huge fan base. Major League Baseball is actively trying to get the Cubs into the postseason. They just can't get out of their way. Now, teams like the Marlins, teams like the Reds, they show up every day. And like I said, the manager of the home plate umpire looks David Bell right in the eye and he says, buddy, you're in for it today. We're going to F you out of this ballgame. And that's what they did. I, I mean, it, it's an uphill battle for the Reds. They got to deal with payroll. They got to deal with their own blinding, you know, getting in their own obstacles of being just a terrible franchise. And now they've got the umpires. Now they've got the umpires that are calling ball. I mean, way out of the zone. I mean, the, the zone fluctuates depending who's on the mound. It's terrible. It's, it, 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 it's troubling. It's, it's a terrible thing for the sport. Where's the equality? Right? Where's the equality? Where's the sportsmanship? Those damn umpires. I digress. Are you done? Shout out, to, shout out to the Reds. I mean, shout out, I guess shout out to the Cubs for giving the Reds another highlight last year and, and losing the game. The best Reds highlights come from other teams losing. Yeah, well, I, 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 I sense Reed's frustration. I understand. It must be painful to watch. I mean, it's one thing to, 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 to project to win 64 and a half games and just not able to win, you know, the, the, the meaningful game here and there. And it's been an uphill battle for the most part, but it's got to be another thing watching – you know, a guy like Cody Bellinger just waste the MVP season and pissed it right down the drain at the very end. I mean, you had you had the lead going into the seventh inning like five different times this week, and the bullpen just can't quite figure it out. Yeah, not everybody can have Ian Jabot. No doubt. Not everybody can have Alexis Diaz. Not everybody can have a Sam Mole. Not everyone can have that. We all understand. I understand the frustration that lies within the seat over there because I've watched their games, and boy, oh boy, if I was one of their fans, I'd, I'd, have, a, I'd have a hard time. I'd have a hard time keeping it together too. Um, you know, not everybody can flip a ball over the head of Danzy Swanson like Nico Horner can, and not everybody can miss fly balls like say uh, Seho Suzuki. The day, you so know, shout out about, to them. You know, what's funny about the Nico thing is it it, it didn't it ended up not mattering. Because they only scored one run that inning. They would have scored a run even if they turned two there. Ended up not mattering. Yeah, it didn't matter because they scored a run on a foul ball. Because the ball hit their bat. And the umpire said this it didn't true. hit their bat. Elliot, what are we talking about? What, what do you mean, mean what are we talking about? We it already got... know that the, that the umpires are there to help the Cubs. I don't, we, are we going to do this for two hours? We got two hours to fill. We got an hour and a half. You want to keep talking about how the umpires love the Cubs and hate the Reds? We can do that. We can do that all day. I can yell all day to the cows come home. You guys can get frustrated. You should be frustrated. That's bullshit. All right. All right. No, we're done. We're done. We're done. We're done. We're done. So I want, I want to transition a little bit. So, so we're going to – I just wanted – I wanted to ask a couple generic questions here. We head into this offseason. It was a overly successful season. 
successful out of out of the Reds' minds. Projected 64, you're going to win roughly 82, 83 games. What are the plans for the offseason? Because I look at this team right now, the best part of this team has been the bullpen. Bullpen is filled with a bunch of guys that I still don't trust. I'll never trust them. I'll never trust Ian Jabot. I love him to death, but I just won't trust him. Daniel Duarte has a sub-4 ERA. Don't trust him. Lucas Sims hits a batter and walks a batter every inning. Great pitcher. Don't trust him. I think the lineup and the starting pitching, I think it's filled, in my opinion. I think, it's, I think it's filled. I don't, I don't know who you're replacing there. Right now you have Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, Graham Ashcraft, Brandon Williamson, Andrew Abbott, Connor Phillips. And, and you say it's filled, then I would, I would just quickly ask the question back to you. Which of those guys do you trust to be there all year long and, and produce? It's a good question. I mean, I, at this point, based on the injuries that have happened, I would say Andrew Abbott and Brandon Williamson will be there until the end. So you're trusted, but to be fair, just to play, I'm again, I'm not here to suggest you're wrong. I'm just going to play devil's advocate the whole entire time. Okay. You're trusting a guy that got really, quite honestly, thrown to the wolves halfway through this year. He had a seven ERA in the minor leagues and he got thrown in. He got just, he he is what it is, what it is. They needed a starter in Colorado. He was up and they were like, yeah, I know, but this is the best we got. So let's just throw him out there and see what happens. And for all intents and purposes, I said yesterday, I think Brandon Williamson has been their most consistent starter. Maybe not their best starter, but at least when he goes out there, you, for the most part, you know what you're going to get. He's been their most consistent starter. But that's the guy that you just said out of the two guys that you think going into the next year you trust. Yeah, it's, I, I, it's one of them. I think you have to look at you're going to pay a, a starting pitcher $20 million, roughly right around there, if you want a good starting pitcher and not a Mike Miner type deal. But if you want a good starting pitcher, you're going to pay a guy $20 million for a, for a starting pitching rotation that, quite frankly, has all its spots filled. Now, I'm, say, I'm not saying that those, these guys are perfect. They're not going to win a World Series with those five guys. But these, those guys are the future. Certainly, that's the plan at some point to use those five guys all together. I think if you look at the, uh, the lineup, every, every position's filled. The only one that could use some help is right field. Jake Fraley, Will Benson, and, and I would like somebody else out there. But I don't know. I, I mean, if, if you look at the payroll for the Reds, you're cutting off $25 million when Joey Votto leaves. Spend all, spend all the money, slap it on the table, and go all in. Hashtag find OJ, says Chad Waits. I agree, Chad. Uh, super chat from Chad. Shout out. And instead of super chatting, by the way, you could just join the membership, and you get a bunch of other uh, perks as well. Nice. So you could, do, you could do all that. Anyway, back to the Reds. So – if you're looking at who should the Reds spend on, I would argue, me personally, I'd like two relievers. I, I would like two relievers to replace Daniel Duarte, and I don't know who else would be another one. But TJ Antone can't stay healthy. We need we need some help in the bullpen, so we don't use 40 different pitchers. Uh, I would like a veteran starting pitcher. I would like one. I just don't think realistically they're going to, knowing that they already have all five spots filled up. So if you look at the offseason, I think the, the, the definite needs, two more bullpen arms, to help bolster one of the best bullpens in Major League Baseball, a right fielder, an everyday right fielder, a power right fielder, and then maybe, if you want to, a veteran starting pitcher to help the young guys stay consistent, give them some help there. The catcher spot's still a problem. Catcher spot's a problem, but we've, I mean, we've already made it clear that Tyler Stevenson's the catcher of the future, even though every every pitcher on the roster hates throwing to him. Well, yeah, I mean, Tyler, when's the last time Tyler Stevenson played a game? I mean... These are the biggest games of the year, and he's not even getting the starts in these games. 
that's going to be a problem moving forward. They got to figure that out in the offseason. I would agree. I, 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 if I were the Reds, I'd look to be trading Tyler Stevenson, and I would look to be trading Jonathan India. I don't want to trade Jonathan India, but unfortunately for India, he's out of spots. So I, if, if I'm the Reds, I look to deal India, deal Stevenson, get some bullpen arms, one starting pitcher, and a right fielder. That, those are my, that's my wish list for the Reds. Mark, Mark Fetter welcome. should get a prize. Mark Fetters is in. Mark Fetters should get a prize. I don't know what first prize nut it cutter. is. I don't know what it is, but he's the first. I think he's the first nut cutter. Mark Fetters. So congratulations to you. Sean's right. I, I, I think that's the hardest one for me to predict of what this Reds team is going to do. I don't know. Tyler Stevenson's a guy that if he could catch just a little bit, I mean, just a little bit, then he's actually a good catcher. He can hit for a catcher. He's probably going to be, I don't know, I don't have this right in front of me, but I'd be willing to bet he's probably an above average hitting catcher. Easily. The problem is he can't catch, which is a big deal when you're a catcher. So I don't know what the Reds team is going to do, with the, or the Reds front office is going to do when it comes to that. I, 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 they're in a weird spot because they have some money to spend. And I mean, I, I can understand the concept of them not spending a ton of money because they're still, and people are going to crush me for saying this maybe, but they're still in a spot where I'm not sure they know 100% what they have and don't have, so they don't want to overcommit to one space. So I don't think there's going to be any long-term deals from free agents. Maybe, Sean brought this up yesterday, maybe there's a chance they go and they extend some of these young guys that we never would have expected. Stock's low on Ellie De La Cruz right now. Now, I don't know whether or not he wants to hold out or his agent wants to hold out to give him a couple more years to try to figure out if they want to. There's only two guys, in my opinion, I would even consider extending. Uh, Ellie's one, and the other one would be Matt McClain. But again, Matt McClain had an oblique injury. You start, to, you start to look at how long you have these guys for, and then you start to think about, okay, what are you extending for? Like, what are you missing out on if you don't extend somebody? Three good years of production, four good years of production, or do you just want to kind of keep piecemealing this thing together every offseason by going out and getting a veteran for one or two year deal or a one year deal on maybe an ex a little bit of overpay a little bit for a position of need? Now, the problem with doing that obviously is that every offseason doesn't always guarantee somebody being available for what you ultimately would want, but. It'll be interesting, to, to say the least. I'll ask one simple question as we go around the room. If you had to put a, uh, a significant amount of money on it, what's the one player that you think will not be a Cincinnati Red next year that's not named Jonathan India? It's a good question. It's a good question. If I, would, I, would look, I would look to trade Jake Fraley. Jake Fraley is a piece that I think – is on his way out. I think Jake Fraley's done a very good job as a Red, but I just think there are better options. We talked about it yesterday. We were, we had, we were having a debate in the office yesterday about what was going to happen. Sean brought up a good point that they were probably going to be extending a lot of guys, um, which is fair. I think, that's, I think that's certainly coming. But if you had to ask me right now, it's Jake Fraley. And I love Jake Fraley to death. So I, that's just, in my opinion, if, I, if I'm not allowed to say Jonathan India, I think you look to move Jake Fraley because you already have Will Benson who's essentially the same type of player. He's a lefty, has the power, uh, can field a little bit. Not, not, a great, not a great defender, but can field enough. So Jake Fraley's my name. As someone who doesn't watch a whole lot of the Reds. <laughs> I look at the Cubs. Right, game. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll join in the conversation. Why not? 
Um, obviously, Jonathan <laughs> Indy, I can't name him. Um, can't name Joey Votto because those are, are two likelies. We talked a little bit about this yesterday. Jake Fraley's a good name. Edwin Diaz? Nope, or not his Alex, name. Alexis Diaz, my nope, bad? Nope, not his name. Alexis Diaz? Sorry, brothers. Alexis Diaz isn't a horrible one. Um, I'm not suggesting for a second that they must trade Alexis. And we got members flying in everywhere. So thank you to all of you. Ricky Logan joining Leader of Men. Mr. Moe, the first Leader of Men. We'll keep it going. We'll keep it going as we uh, progress through the show. Thank you, fellas, for, uh, for supporting us. So, I don't, I don't listen. Alexis Diaz is a guy that I could, I could see both sides of the, the case. And I know where Elliot's going to go with this. But, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll give Elliot the floor for arguing as to why you don't trade him. I just think that the relievers, man, I don't know. I just I, I don't trust them as far as you can throw them. They're so fickle, it feels like. And it's one of those things where if there's going to be a team, and again, I don't know what you get back. And that's part of this. That's a, that's a huge part of this equation of what I'm, what I'm laying out. If, if the Mets, for instance, are absolutely just hell-bent on trying to get Diaz's brother and they want Alexis and they, and they want to make that the setup and closer situation or whatever it may be, and I mean, if they're, if they're willing to send over Alonzo and, you know, maybe a prospect, would you be mad about that as a Reds fan? You, you think, you think I, Alexis, I, I, don't, I don't know. You think Alexis Diaz is worth Pete Alonzo and a prospect? I'm suggesting that if they if the Mets were to do something stupid like that, then yeah, I would entertain the idea of doing that. If they were willing to do that, you shouldn't entertain the idea that you should put on a mariachi costume and go dancing in the streets. Like, what are you talking about? Fifty five, <laughs> a fifty five home run guy for the third best closer in the division. Understand, but one guy has a lot of team control, the other one doesn't. Maybe that doesn't mean anything in New York because they have a ton of money and they're not worried about that. But those are the things that you think about when you're in a small market team, Reed. You actually, you actually have to consider guys and how long I, you just, have them for. Listen, like I said, if 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 Steve Cohen and the Mets call up Nick Crawl <laughs> tomorrow and say, "Hey, listen, I I I know it's a bad deal, but let's let's go ahead and do this. You give us Alexis Diaz, we'll give you Pete Alonso and our yeah, number one prospect." Yeah, but Alonso's only got one year left, and he's going to be very expensive. Now, again, maybe I'm naive because I don't I follow a small market team, and we we care about those types of things. We gotta. We got to figure out, you know, who's taking up most of the pie. We can't just pay a guy like Talion or whatever the hell his name is, that bum, $85 million, and then you just wipe your hands clean. That set, back, that, set the bad, that set the Reds back 10 years if they did some shit like that. So, no, we can't just sit around and be like, oh, yeah, we'll pick that guy. We'll pick this if guy. They do we that, can't sign Jason Hayward for $500 million and him hit like a piece of shit. 140. It's a so great, it's a we big can't do those do. things. Unfortunately, we're the Reds. We're not, we're not the Mets. So, maybe you're right. Maybe they wouldn't do so. Listen, if the if the Mets want to do that, if they want to trade Pete Alonso and a prospect for Alexis Diaz, then the Reds should have a promotion next year that Nick Crawl does naked cartwheels every fifth inning, every home game. I mean, that is that is the most absurd proposition I've ever heard in my life. Alexis Diaz is one of the best closers, maybe a top five closer. He's, and the, thir he's the third best closer in the division. He, he's the he's the top five closer in, in Major League Baseball. And you're paying him less than a million dollars. I'd like to keep one of the best closers in Major League Baseball if I have the, if I have the opportunity to. It's a bullpen where you don't trust a lot of guys, despite how well they've played. I trust Alexis Diaz. I know he's he's struggled down the down the stretch here, 
But Alexis Diaz has been one of the best pitchers in the game, and I'm not going to trade Alexis Diaz for another prospect, and the prospect takes five years. So I don't know what your plan is with Alexis Diaz to trade him, but it makes no sense to me. It makes, it makes absolutely zero sense to trade a guy you have control over for like five more years. doesn't make sense to me at all. Hmm. I, I mean, if you have five more years of control with any of these guys, you keep them. So there you go, Reed. You, so you, you got a guy. I, you got a guy right now arguing that he would not trade Diaz for for no, for no, that no, that trade that trade was absurd. I would trade him for P. Alonso tomorrow. But the, the 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 thing is, if you're if you're looking around the league and you're like, who can I? All right, I'm gonna get I'm gonna I'm gonna get rid of Alexis Diaz. We're gonna trade him. We're gonna ship him away. Who's taking that spot? You trust in Fernando Cruz in that spot? I know Nick Kirby does. Outside of Nick Kirby, nobody else does. Fernando Cruz, as good as good of stuff as he has, I do not trust Fernando Cruz to be my closer, and that's who it's going to be. TJ Antone can't stay on the field. So you're running out of options. Ian Jabot can't pitch in a high leverage situation. He's done that all year long. Who, Ian Jabot? Yes. That's fine. But, I mean, I understand your point. If I'm you just want, saying, just stop, stop, what, stop the Injabo slander. No, 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 I'll tell you what. I'll just tell you stop what. the Injabo slander. He's been great all year long. I'm the, I'm the biggest if you want to say you don't trust him, that's one thing, Elliot. I'm the biggest, but, I'm the biggest Injabo fan in the world. I'm I want to make that know. very clear. That I wanna, I'm the biggest Injabo fan there is in this room, and that's a fact. There's holes Ian Jabo, if, if he were to be our starting closer next year, there would be riots in the streets. Cincinnati would flood the streets and riot, and riot outside of GABP. It's, he's not a closer. I love Ian Jabo. Great seventh inning guy, eighth inning guy. But his ERA is the way it is because he pitches every every goddamn game. Excuse me with the GD. But that's where we are. But that's where we are. And again, I love Ian Jabot. He's been great this year. He's been Reed, – Reed and I were going over the best pitchers on the team. He's been, what, the third best pitcher? Yep. He's been the third best pitcher on the Reds this season. According to B-War. I apologize to Ian Jabot. Again, I, when the season officially ends, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a whole apology list. I'm going to apologize to all the Reds that I've made fun of. Ian Jabot is number one on that list. Because I, I was openly disrespectful towards him, and he's proven me wrong time and time again. But if we have Alexis Diaz, you keep Alexis Diaz. It's, you, you're paying him $730,000. What are we getting rid of Alexis Diaz for? That's gonna, and who's going to come in and replace him? That's my argument. It makes absolutely zero sense. India, you can try, I, I'm on the board. If you, can, if you want to trade India, trade India. He doesn't have a spot on the roster, and he's going to make $10 million in arbitration, $8 million, whatever it will be. Well, I got a guy that can't be back next year. Who? That's Nick Senzel. Because the platoon's not going away. David Bill's going to do the platoon next year. And I can't watch Nick Senzel play outfield again next year. He can't be our outfielder for the when lefties are on the mound. Just can't be. And Buck Farmer's got to go, too. If there's Buck one Farmer's reliever I don't okay. trust, Buck Farmer's the guy. Buck Farmer's I don't trust okay. Buck Farmer either. Sean, we can go down the whole line. We can go down the whole bullpen. You I don't mean, trust a single bull, guy. Bullpen is what it is. I mean, there's not too many bullpen guys in the league that you're like, man, I really trust this guy when he comes in the game. Like, they're always going to – their ERAs are going to be between two and five. Some years they're going to be – they'll have better years because there's, there's some luck in it too when you come in the game, obviously, and you're only getting three outs. But when it, when it comes to trust, strikes is what matters. Do you come in, do you throw strikes, or do you don't? Buck Farmer hardly ever throws strikes when he comes in the game. He always walks guys. Jabot, a lot of times, will throw strikes. I'll take that. I mean, if he gets hit, he gets hit. But Yeah, and I mean, listen, Craig last night on the show said that the reason that he, he's skeptical of Diaz is, it, it, is that Diaz success comes from chase rates. Most guys, the, the, the reason that Diaz is so successful is because, because guys swing out 
balls outside the zone when Diaz is in. Now, you can make the argument that that's going to continue forever. But when the word gets out that Diaz doesn't throw a whole lot of strikes, you just stand up there and let him walk you, hit you in the back foot with a slider. That's my concern. Now, I'm not here to crush our all-star closer. I'm just throwing out some reasons as to why you could be somewhat concerned of, of, what, of what the Reds decided to do. Um, not to turn this into a huge baseball show because there's a lot of football to happen here and we can discuss the NFL and kind of, well, I guess, what we, we expect. To, but we really quickly, I have a quick outs. question here. I, this is a genuine question. Do some shout-outs. Um, and we'll do some shout-outs in just a second. Uh, Cody, Cody Bellinger, what's the point of having a mutual, a mutual option? Like, I, this is a God's honest question. When you sign a contract, and at the, end of the, at the end of it all, I understand a player option. I understand a team option. Because then at that point, someone has to make a decision. What's the point with Cody Bellinger's deal with the Cubs where there's a mutual option for next year? Yeah. Just to speed up, the, speed up the process if they both perfectly agree that's the exact deal they need going into next year? Yeah. That's just so I'm just – I. Maybe nobody has the answer to that. But that it seems doesn't really have goofy. a whole lot of leverage either way. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's it's not might as well a, be a free agent, right? It, it's not a big it's not a big deal. It's not a big art bargaining chip. It's just saying like, yeah, sure, twelve million makes sense. That's it. It, it gives neither team, neither neither party, um, huge leverage there. Cody Bellinger's I don't know what he's gonna make in the free agency, but the eighteen million dollars, whatever the Cubs paid him, was was more than worth it. So he'll he'll make more than that this year, considering he's only twenty seven years old. 28 years old, however you... However 28 old. years old. Yep. Plays gold glove outfield. Plays first base. Would hit 40 home runs at GABP more than likely if he stays healthy. Tyler Malley, free agent. Shohei Otani. See where he goes. I mean, there's some names on this list. Josh Hader's a free agent. We talked about this yesterday. Well, before before we get into this, this argument... Uh, there was a super chat, Sean. I wanted to shout you out here. Um, you didn't see this, but Chi Town Real Estate said that you are beautiful, and, and he He's loves right. it. Right, you are beautiful. <laughs> there's no one that there's no one that pushes love more in this chat than Chi Town Real yeah. Estate. That's that's why they call Chicago the city of brotherly love. That they do. Casey says Jordan Leader a men on his own. <laughs> Who, knew? Who knew? Chad waits, my man. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you as well. I appreciate all of you. Appreciate all of you. Listen, listen, if you're in this chat every single day and it just, again, you're not able to do it, not a big deal. It's sincerely, not a big deal. Not a big deal at all. Um, where do we go from here? We're certainly not going to talk about Joe Burrow's calf. Talked, <laughs> we, talked about, we talked about that enough, right? I mean, there was something, though, that I did read this morning that I do at least share. And I want to talk about it, but I want to share... Joe Burrow did admit that he's trying to find new ways to create leverage to be able to throw the ball down the field because his calf's bothering him when he's trying to extend the ball down the field and create some velocity behind his throws. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'll just say it first so nobody can say that I'm hypocritical when it comes true in three to four weeks. But if Joe Burrow can't throw the ball down the field, then Bengals, the Bengals have no chance. If they're going to try to dink and dunk their way down the field like they did against the Rams, it's not going to work. So I'm hopeful that Joe Burrow figures it out, finds a, some kind of treatment plan that allows him to, uh, to just get through it. I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, in the NFL, clearly, um, 
Biggest surprise so far. You want to do that around the room? Yes. Sure. Yeah. You want me to start? Whoever wants to go over there. I think the biggest surprise has been the Miami Dolphins. I, I think people in, expected them to be good. I think people anticipated them being good. I don't think people expected them to look this good. I don't think people expected that offense to look this dynamic. And it gives some credence to guys like when, when Tyree Kill was in Kansas City and people were like, man, this, this guy is the reason Patrick Mahomes is incredible because Tua struggled his first couple years, gets Tyree Kill, gets a new coach, and all of a sudden they have the most dynamic offense. They put up a 70-burger in the NFL. That never happens. Unlike college football where it happens every week, it, it never happens in the NFL. And the Miami Dolphins look like serious contenders in an already crowded AFC. We were talking about the Bengals being, being contenders. I mean, the Bengals are, aren't even top, top five contenders now. I mean, you're looking at the Chiefs. You're looking at the Bills. You're looking at the Dolphins. You can even look at teams like, and I know the Ravens lost last week. I think the Ravens are still very good. I mean, this is a very, very, very crowded AFC. And the Dolphins look to be the best. I don't think they're the best. I think the Chiefs are still the best. But, yeah, the Dolphins have been the most surprising team by far. I don't hate that. I don't hate that pick. For me, it's I, I predicted the Colts to win about zero games this year. So them showing some life with Gardner Minshew and Anthony Richardson, they're one of my, they're one of my picks for sure. I think the number one, though, for me, as much as Casey likes to stick around in here with the Brown stuff, the Browns have looked they pretty look good. good. They look good. The Browns wow. look pretty damn good. They're off, or their defense ranks number one, I'm pretty sure, in every category, every statistical category. Um, I, I think the Cleveland Browns are legit. Yeah, can I jump in on I don't, with I, you on that? Well, they, I just want to say this one sentence. I think the Browns have the second best defense in the league behind the 49ers. Well, currently right now they're on record pace. They have negative 36 yards before contact, which the league average right now is 70. They are getting behind the line of scrimmage and stopping people before they can even get the ball off. Like they're just destroying people. Now they played a played a really bad game against the Bengals in the downpour. They played the Titans, who have nobody on their offensive line. And they played the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have no offense. Yeah, so Maybe maybe it's a little skewed. We'll see how they do against the Ravens. I think the Cleveland Browns might be my, one of my biggest surprises. I think my second biggest surprise, though, is the Packers. I just – how do you hit on this many quarterbacks back-to-back? -back? I mean, Jordan Love looks like he could be a franchise quarterback off of three games. And that defense, I mean, I kind of forgot how good it was. It's pretty darn good. That keeps him in ball games. Well, Rashad, Rashad Gary is, like, really good football player. I yeah. think that when you – sometimes in the NFL it's weird. When the guys get hurt, you just forget about them. And, like, you know, they're just not been around for a year, year and yeah. a half. And next thing you know, you're just like, okay, are they ever going to come back? Are they going to be any good? Rashad Gary is, like, like incredibly, incredibly yeah, good football player. He, he, he changes the Packers' defense. Like, Yeah, they're front four with Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, yeah. uh, Devontae Wyatt, and getting Rashad Gary back, yeah. it puts them on a whole new level. Um, I think that's my second biggest surprise of this season. What about you, Spur? I'll go with the Saints. I mean, the Saints are sitting at 2-1. and one. I think they would be 3-0 and oh if Derek Carr doesn't get hurt in that game on yeah. Sunday. I mean, the Packers didn't get a win because of that, I think. But, yeah, I mean, their defense is really good. I mean, in the three games they played, they held the Titans to 15, Panthers 17, and I think that was like a late touch. They got a late touchdown in that game with like less than two minutes to go or it would have been 10. And then the Packers, they were shutting them out until, what, the fourth quarter the other day? And then yeah. the Packers went on the run, got the win. But, yeah, the Saints are looking really good. I think they got a real good chance to win that division this year. 
I would say the I, I I guess there's two teams that come to mind. I didn't think the Broncos were going to be bad, like this bad. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> whoa! I don't know what happened. I really don't. Two things about the Broncos, really quickly. Uh, one is they had a they had a good defense, and it just appears as if maybe we're overreacting because of the Dolphins game, but it just appears like that Dolphins defense from last year. They didn't lose a ton of guys, and now they're giving up 70 points. They got a new defensive coordinator, which makes me I, – I, I must admit something that I'm wrong about, um, which I'm not wrong about many things, I don't think. Oh, yeah. I do think the defensive coordinator is, is, is a big deal. I think coordinators in general are a big deal. And uh, maybe that's not earth-shattering news, but sometimes I just always say, yeah, I mean, these guys are so well-prepared. The coaches are so well-prepared that in the NFL, how big of a delta, how much of a margin really is there with coaches? More times than not, I would assume, comes down to the players you got on the field. And really, the only thing, and you look back at it, the only thing that's changed in Denver is they have new defensive coordinator. And you can't convince me that last year they would have given up 70 points to anybody. I don't care if they had the uh, the AFC All-Star Pro Bowl roster out there. You have Russell Wilson still. I mean, I know Russell Wilson let Russ cook. The whole thing's been made fun of. It's a joke at this point, and people are making fun of Russ and, and the whole situation. But, like, I mean, I don't know. You still got Russell Wilson. He's not horrific. And they've had back-to-back seasons now where they just look abysmal. The other team that, that I just never give credit that I need to start giving credit to maybe is the Seahawks. Like, are the Seahawks pretty good? I mean, last year they, they made the postseason. They went up against a really good 49ers team. And if we're being honest, they played a really good half against the 49ers. Now, they ended up getting beat pretty good in the second half. And I know it's a four-quarter game, yada, yada, yada. And I'm cherry-picking stats. But I would say the... Uh, I guess Geno Smith, and I know Casey's going to laugh and say, I told you so. I'm not suggesting he's a top 10 quarterback, but he's obviously pretty good. I don't know if it's a fluke at this point. How long does Geno Smith have to play well until he gets a little bit of flower? I don't know. He has to play well for as long as he played bad in the NFL. The first seven years of his, <laughs> the first seven years of his career. I'll be fair to him. It was like two or three because then he didn't play for like four years. Okay, yeah. so he's got to – He's got to be a bench player for three years, too, before we can. And that goes back to sometimes, I mean, I'll, I'll bring this up. Quarterbacks, sometimes they come in, they get thrown into the fire right away. That don't always work out. Maybe the Packers got a good formula. Bring them in, let them sit for two or three years, then play them. Pat Mahomes sat for a year. Yeah. I have to agree with that. I don't think he was quite ready. You know, he was in a situation where that offense in New York was pretty abysmal. Um, they didn't have any weapons to speak of. All of them were all the weapons that they did have were pretty darn old. And uh, if you're thinking that he had some sort of run game, you'd be mistaken. Um, and Rex Ryan isn't a offensive-minded head coach to begin with, so that was another kind of reason why I don't think he developed very well in New York. But you know, he bounced around. Got into a situation that is very quarterback friendly, and he's thriving in it. Is the best game this week Broncos versus Bears? Is that the best game in the NFL this week? That's disgusting. Broncos v Bears. I can tell you what if the, the Bronco, toilet bowl if the Broncos lose that game, there's going to be some happy people that 
got, got wagers out that I know about. <laughs> That's I, I. I mean, yeah, many people would say that the Bears would be a shock, but it's just not. It's not a shock to me. I. I, d- I don't want to give Justin Fields too much credit because because I think that ultimately he just is an incredible athlete. And it sounds like everyone's going to say, and I know we get into this debate, and I really don't want to get into this debate today per se because it just seems like we go around and around in circles. We won't get anywhere with it. I just don't think Justin Fields is a great quarterback. I think he's an unbelievable athlete. And that ultimately ends up at some point in the NFL just doesn't work out. And it's not just like this all like listen, Ohio State certainly has elite level receivers and in the systematic way in which you know they go about it with Justin Fields up there lends lends itself to be different when you get to the NFL. CJ Stroud's obviously been the complete opposite. In fact, if you want to say the, the, the biggest shock of the year or whatever, you know, one of the biggest surprises of the year has to be the Texans. Like CJ Stroud, for all intents and purposes, I just suspected they would go like one in fifteen or one in sixteen, excuse me. And that's just not been the case. They've competed. They've played well. And I don't want to suggest that he's going to be a franchise quarterback this early, but he certainly looks the part. And he looks the part. And um, Justin Fields, to me, had never looked the part. He, Can he, we get off the quarterback talk with the Bears, though? What quarterback's winning on the Bears this year? Justin Fields in that game against the Packers to start the year, he was playing well in that game. He was 15 for 19, like 150 yards and a touchdown. And his team's down 31 to 14. I mean, I don't care what quarterback you are. You ain't going to win when your defense can't stop anybody. Well, I mean, I, who, I, was, who was going to win against the Chiefs on Jay, Sunday? Jay Cutler has, yeah. his, and it has the Bears, the NFC contenders, if Jay Cutler's there. Well, I, I, mean, I mean, listen. That's a joke. You, you have to have something on the defensive side of the ball. I don't care who your quarterback is. Guys, I've, and I'm not saying Justin Fields has played well because he hasn't. But I've watched the, the film for the Bears, and I'm telling you, their defense – they play some zone coverage, and they let guys run past them when they're the deep safety. They just let them run by, and they're just staring at their quarterback, at the, uh, the opposing quarterback. Baker Mayfield threw for like 350 yards on him. Baker Mayfield, come on. That defense is atrocious. Baker Mayfield might be a good quarterback. I don't know. Ba- Baker he didn't look too good on him. Baker good. Mayfield famously has never beaten an Ohio State quarterback. Is that a real thing? planted the flag in the middle of oh. the horseshoe. Yeah, I do remember that, actually, now that you bring it up. I'm sure Ohio State fans love that. Sure they do. Um, fire Reed. Speaking of Fire Reed, uh, where are we at? On... Well, we, got some, we got some people joining the chat. We do. We also have, uh, we have locals at 11, which is an important part of this show. Why? Because it pays the bills. And I am searching around here to try to find something that's important. One thing that I do want to tell you about is that uh, towards the end of this show, and by end of the show, probably in the next 15 minutes, uh, we have the draft or die segment. The draft or die segment just so happens to be relevant because we do it on Thursdays because you have to obviously give you an opportunity to pick all the NFL games. And as a reminder, the Packers play the Lions tonight on Thursday night football. More importantly, though, however, is somebody lost draft or die. Somebody lost draft or die. So you're going to get your first opportunity to witness somebody being dead and having to, having to rise up and create themselves lives again. The only way to do that is to read from a teleprompter and not laugh. We'll see. Elliot wrote the script, so who knows what's on it. It's probably the most ridiculous thing you'd ever seen known to man because that's what Elliot does. Speaking of Elliot, we have weather to get to. Elliot, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Chip. How are you? 
I'm doing great. I'm sending it to you. Wow, what a day. Again, I'm wearing my hoodie again because it's raining outside. It is raining outside. I was driving into work. My car was slipping and sliding all over the road. It was treacherous out. Uh, if you've never experienced rain before, it goes something like this. Um, the sky will get a little bit darker, and then you'll be wet with water because that's what happens when it rains. Now, if you're, a, if you're an avid fan of the weather, if you watch the weather reports every night, if you're, if you're going home, 5 o'clock, ooh, i got to see the weather. Let me spoil it for you right now. Partly cloudy today, actually a lot of clouds. I won't say partly, it's a lot of clouds, like 75% cloud. Then it's going to rain a little bit. A little sprinkle, sprinkle. It's going to sprinkle all over the place. Could it rain? Could it not rain? Maybe. We just don't know for sure. But what I do know is that it has rained today already, so that means that there's a bigger chance of it raining again tonight. So, be prepared, get an umbrella, stay inside, stay dry, go to the, go to the grocery, get your milk, get your eggs, get all of it, because there will be rain today. And when the rain comes, the world will end. Chip, back to you. This is one of the most preposterous weather reports I've ever seen in my life. All right, well then, take it back, take it back, take it back, take it back, take it back. All right, so here we go again. Weather report part two. Listen, the weather today, it's raining outside, but I can't tell you that, right? You have to go look for it yourself. Go outside today, stand in the rain. Make, make us meteorologists feel bad, right? You want to go outside, take a picture of yourself in the rain or not rain and say, look, I have the weather because I'm outside and I'm taking a picture of myself doing it. You don't need me. You don't need me to do this. You can do it yourself. You just walk outside. You just go outside. You don't need me. But if you want me, if you want to say, look, I need somebody to tell me what it's going to do outside. I'm going to look right now. Casey, do you have your phone? Yep, yep. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. This is what you do. You go home and you go to your weather app. And you look at it and you say, look, from now until 2 p.m., there's a chance of rain. And there is a chance of rain. Could it not rain? Is that a possibility? Yeah, it's always in the cards. The sun could always come out. Little Orphan Annie. It'll always come out tomorrow. Later in the day, it's going to stop raining. Maybe. It could always rain again. There you go, Casey. What's happening tomorrow? Tomorrow? What I don't care. We'll find out tomorrow morning. That's just the best part of the weather. I, listen, I, I'm a one-day guy. If you want to look down the week, the weather's going to change every, every day. Your keys are falling there, Chip. All you got to know is for today, there's going to be some rain, and there's going to be some times where it's not raining. That's the most important part about this weather. Now it's time to pay the bills. Chip, we're going back to you. All right. Thank you. Appreciate that. We got a super chat from Ricky. Ricky says, always make sure your water towers aren't leaking. What? What? I'll read that again. Always make sure your water towers aren't leaking. It's because he lives by water towers. Gotcha. Glad you could fill me in on that, Elliot. All right. Well, this is part of the show where we send it over to Casey McAllister, and he does uh, what we like to call paying the bills around here with his smooth, silky voice, one in which you just can't buy. Can you? Can you? Can you buy this voice? I don't know. Maybe. You might be able to buy this nice. voice. Nice. Love that. Love that. <laughs> hey, yeah, you're still yeah, in it you're there, still buddy. In it. Well, it's all the way for Elliot. There you go, Elliot. All right. Are you good? Yeah, we're good. You're good. Okay. The Bengals and Bearcats Report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data center world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center. Supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to prove efficiency and... Pro, 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 productivity. Productivity. Sean? 
to improve efficiency and oh, productivity. There we nice. go. Nice. There we go. Look at yeah. John. Welcome to the show, Spur Bears. Yes. Yes. Nice. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. And let me tell you about this awesome tasting water, Pawnee Water. It's a new premium alkaline water made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. Made with natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial brands, artificial processing that other brands use. You can visit Pawnee Water at P-A-H-H-N-I water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Again, that's P-A-H-H-N-I water.com. And for me, I just love the pH level of this water. An eight? An eight? An Are we eight? kidding? Not That's seven. Not nine. Not seven and not nine. It's an eight. That is high quality water. What about you, Reed? What do you like about well, this I'm water? Well, I'm going to let you guys in on a, little, on a little fact. If you shake up a bottle of Pawnee, shake it up just like this, and then you look real close, you can see the natural limestone filtration. That's why I like it. It's not artificially processed through limestone. It's naturally done through limestone. I mean, it's limestone, lemonstone, all these different kinds of stones. It naturally goes through limestone, and that's what makes it the best tasting water in the world. Natural limestone filtration, only at Pawnee Water. Elliot? For me, it's the smoothness. When you look at all these other brands, and you're looking at brands with Fiji Islands, and you're looking at mountains, or you're in Kroger and you're just getting the generic brand called Kroger brand, but no shout outs. If you're looking at all these brands, the one thing they don't have, it's like you're, it's like you're drinking like salt or some kind of weird type of thing. It's about the smoothness for me. When you drink Pawnee water, it goes down smooth. It goes down easy. I'm, I, listen, when I'm soothing my throat, I've had a cough for three and a half months. Doctor said it's incurable. When, when, I, when I drink a water and it, and it soothes my throat Go and it goes down doctor. smooth and it goes down quick and it goes down easy, it's the most important feeling in the world because I can trust that all the time, Pawnee water is going to cure me. It's going to make me feel better. It's going to cure my throat. Pawnee water, perhaps the greatest water known to man. Heard it here first. Goes down Elliot's gullet smoothly. Spur, what, what do you easy. like about this water? For me, it's that it's local. It's made right across the street right here in hamilton ohio and guess what hamilton ohio has the best water in the world so damn right that's right damn right some some Proven. some some, some say best that. water in the world get your coffee at udf bet on betfred get your technology solutions on from encore technologies drink pawnee water did i forget any no, you Shit. didn't. That's the, the, the that I almost gave you a ten out of ten right there at the end, Casey. You always I can see your brain turning when you do that. It's always thinking of the next thing, and then sometimes you 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 almost made that one perfect though. I got to be honest with you. You've got you've gotten much better at that. You're improving, and uh, you know what? Eventually, I think you're gonna hit a home run on that. I think you're gonna get through that smoothly. You're not gonna have any hiccups, and we're gonna keep the show moving and a grooving. All right, uh, we are gonna do. Uh, the draft or die segment right now. We're going to draft first. And then after we get done drafting, we are going to get to a position where we do the segment for the first time ever. We have someone lost. Who lost? Well, I don't know. you have to find out. But first... And I have a mailbag as well. But first, let's make our picks for the week. So are we doing the intro? Um, no, we're going to do the intro after we make our picks. And that will lead into our main man... All right. Reed Mouse, I think, was the guy that lost. <laughs> Nicholas to you. Yeah. Nick Nicholas. That's right. Nicholas. Yep. 
My name's so great. I so we're going to go around and uh, we're going to oh, go ahead, Casey. I'll buy some time for you to pull up the 100 yard dash because um, that's what happens. We do a 100 yard dash to figure out who drafts. I've been fortunate enough the past few weeks to be able to uh, to be able to just easily draft first. Why? Because I'm the fastest guy in the room and the, the computer knows that. <laughs> this is an all timer off the bench show, I must tell you. The things that go on outside of the camera well in this place today, today specifically, is just bonkers. <laughs> it, it, we're going to have to clean this up by October 8th because I can tell you right now that if Tom Brenneman walks in here and this is the type of operation that's being ran, that'll probably be his first show back and his last show back. So let's get to it. We got a 100-yard dash. Casey, throw it up on the screen. And here we go. Oh, they're Spur. off and they're running. Spur's quick. Spur. Watch out for Spur. Go inside him. Go 10. outside him. Go inside or outside him. Get him on the run. Keep him on the run. Don't pass until the secondary gets too close. You know, this is only going to get harder and harder. Wow. Go. We got some speed. Oh, oh, Spur. like real life. <laughs> Look at the bear. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. oh, no. Oh, man. Elliot. I, mean, I can't what? figure out where anybody is either. Hard I can't read the names. So there's Reed. Reed, Reed is up it. the middle. Reed. Spurs it's a close above one. him. I'm below it's a Reed. Close one. Ah. Elliot's up top. Trace Elliot up gonna the bottom. win? Did I freeze? Elliot gonna win? Who's gonna win between Casey and Elliot? Oh no. Elliot or Casey? Spur? Ah. Uh, uh? Elliot, one more step, please. There's Elliot. Oh, am I get there. It's Reed get there. And Trace. Who's going to get there? Oh, man. Oh, Trace with the last-ditch effort. Yes. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, my God. Love that. Love Reed. that. All right. Well, this is how the game goes. Pretty simple. You, uh, you, you, you pick a team. You get to pick twice. It's a snake draft. It goes up and back one time. If you're lucky enough to get one team that wins on uh, – on Sunday and or Monday and or I guess Thursday, if you want to pick a Thursday game this week, that seems like a bad idea. Then I guess we'll figure that out now. All right, so we have uh, who's up first again? I believe it's me. All right, I believe I'm first. All right, Casey. Who I'm first? I'm going to be picking Kansas City at the Jets. It's a good pick. Bear uh, Bear. I'm second. I'm about to pick against the team that just beat the Cowboys, but they're 14-point underdogs, so I'm going to take the Niners. That's a good one. I'm going to take the Philadelphia Eagles. Go Birds. I play Washington. Trace? Well, don't love this. <laughs> don't love this at all. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with the Steelers. Ooh. Yikes. Steelers? Steelers against the Texans. I don't, I don't hate that pick. I get two in a row, and boy, oh, boy, is there a great slate of games this week. Um, I'll go first. I think that the Vikings get off the schneid against Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is the quarterback of the Panthers, right? Cause, yeah. Because uh, Bryce Young's hurt. So, uh, yeah, give me, give me the Vikings. I think they finally get their first win. And I'll go ahead and go second. I'll go again. 
I'll go again, and I will take the Chargers over the Raiders. That was my pick. Yeah, that's what I was gonna... That was my pick. Hmm. All right. Trace? Back to me. I will take... Um, boy, I'll tell you what. I think I'm going to take... Uh, let's see here. The Chargers have already been picked. Yep. yep. The <laughs> Jets. What is this show? This show is a wild one. This is one of the wildest shows of all time. If we're being honest. We had Spurs mom <laughs> call, call, call yeah. him out. It's a wild. It's a wild show. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is a, this is a tough one right now. I don't I don't know where I'm going with this. Um, I'm just going to start barking out stuff, and I'm going to ask if it's been done or not been done. Um, I'm assuming the Bills have, nope. have not have, been taken. They have not been taken. The Eagles have already been picked. Correct. Yep. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take, because at this point it is what it is. There's not really that many good options. Uh, are the Cowboys available? Yes. I'll take the Cowboys. All right. Bills are favored this week. I will take I will take the Lions. The Lions. Um Spurs not here. So, so I don't Spur know. Gets I, the say, Bears. I say Spur gets the Spur Bears. gets the Bears. Spur gets the Bears against the Broncos. Okay. Uh ooh, all right. So take the Bengals. I'm gonna take the Bengals. Nice. I'm gonna take the Bengals. So I got Bengals in Kansas. And I love how you call Kansas City Kansas. You've done that for since you started here, which is fine. Nothing wrong with that. Just interesting that you always say Kansas. I know they're Kansas not in Kansas. City. I know they're not in Kansas. Well, I know you know that. I just think it's interesting. Like I've never heard anyone call them that. Which you know what? It's okay to be unique. Nothing wrong with that, Casey. Um, so everybody's picks as a reminder. I don't even know who I picked. <laughs> who did I take? You picked. I took. I, no, 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 I took the Cowboys. I took the Cowboys, and and I and I took the who? Worst. The who? Did I, and in Pittsburgh. Yeah, Cowboys in <laughs> Pittsburgh. I picked the Eagles and Lions. Yep. Who cares who I picked? All right, Reed's <laughs> a loser. Let's do this segment. All right, so here's how it goes. It's time for uh, draft or die, and Reed is dead. He's gonna have to read from the teleprompter, standing right in front of you, right directly in front of you, right here. If he laughs, he's got to redo it. If he laughs, he's got to redo it. Now, it's supposed to be 30 seconds long. <laughs> I don't know if Elliot followed the rules or not, but we'll see how it goes this first time, and we'll move on from there. So, without further ado, here goes Draft or Die. Draft. Die. Draft. Die. Draft of draft, die, die, die. Draft of draft, die, die, die. Draft or die. Um, I'll take the next easiest pick. I'll take Jacksonville. Home against the Texans. Okay, I'll go next. I'll take the Ravens. Hey, hey. I lost. You know what's funny about me losing is uh, I came in on Monday. And the Cubs had just swept. The Bengals had a Monday night football game. I was feeling good. I was feeling good. 
And Trace looked at me condescendingly and goes, how does it feel to die? And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, both your picks lost. And I, I had no clue who I picked, but they both lost. I picked two nine-point spreads, and they both lost. So that's what we're going to do. So I've got to go through this monologue, and I've got to not laugh while going through this monologue. Now, I don't know if you've ever done, like, a staring contest, but, like, you know, you do, like, the, so I'm going to get a couple chuckles out before I get, get into this monologue. I'm just going <laughs> 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 to... right. <laughs> Let's do this. This is written by Elliot... And uh, this is a monologue that I've got to read. So without, for, without farther ado, my name is Reed Nicholas Mouse. I need everyone to know a couple things about me. Number one, and most importantly, my farts stink so bad that when the wind blows my fart, all living plant life within 50 feet shrivel up and die. The smell from my bowels wrecks cities. I wiped out Antarctica with my foul odor. I must now demonstrate a fart sound with my mouth. When I check my undies after every night, I see stains. I see the dangers of my powerful sharts. I lost a gambling bet because I'm a bad gambler. I lost my toilet at home because I stained the porcelain bowl to an unrecognizable degree. I'm ashamed of my grotesque flatulence. That I have led me to being a bad gambler. I talked with my doctor about it yesterday, and this is what my doctor said. After realizing the raw power of my anus, he prescribed me a shot of poopy elixir. The second thing you should know about me is that I hate the Chicago Cubs. I am a fake bandwagon fan who only cheers for them because I'm a career troll who lost his soul for another notch up the pole because I was stuck in a hole while the cops were on patrol eating a potato casserole. Elliot, please scroll, because this is the sole goal of the console, and my favorite actress is Kidman Nicole. The third and final thing you should know about me is that I cheer against Baden High School. Every time I see green, I weep. I refuse to give my hard-earned dollars to the Alumni Association because I'm a bad alumnus. Speaking of high school, you should have seen the deuces I dropped in this tournament. <laughs> you gotta restart! Oh no! Oh no! Alright, he at least has to start the last one again. The last point. The last point. We can't make you do the whole thing again. He roped back in with the poop, poop jokes. <laughs> I mean, he's Adam Sandler over there with all these fart and poop jokes. The third thing and final thing you should know about me is that I cheer against Baden High School. Every time I see green, I weep. I refuse to give my hard-earned dollars to the Alumni Association because I'm a bad alumnus. Speaking of high school, you should have seen the deuces I dropped in those toilets. My high school gym teacher, Mr. Bojangles, caught one whiff of my unnatural stench and had to retire from the profession. My name is Reed, and I am undoubtedly a loser. Man, I had like three more sentences. Very nice. Gosh darn it. It was the poop jokes. I don't know if you if you cued that up to just be a long winding road back to the poop jokes. But that's what got me. Congratulations. That was like uh, reading a Adam Sandler script. So, You're welcome. All right. That was great. All right. Elliot or Tracy, you want to come back up here? I don't think well, anyone. We got a mailbag, right? We got a mailbag. <laughs> he stays up there the rest of the show. We do have a mailbag. We uh, we'll let Elliot read the mailbag and then uh, we'll do the proverbial switch. All right. Go ahead. We just got yeah, a yeah. letter. 
We just got a letter. We just got a letter. I wonder who it's from. Okay, welcome back to the mailbag. I got my question here. Uh, today's mailbag comes from uh, little Stephen A. From Before Stephen A. Uh, does this, let, 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 uh, let's run the deal here. What deal? The, the intro. Right, the the intro. Right. He ran the pay, intro. Okay, well, I'm not paying attention. Golly. Sorry. Golly. It's an all-time show. Today's mailbag comes from little Stephen A. from Mrs. Smith's class. Stephen A. asks, I love golf and will really miss Ian Poulter, Sergio Garcia, and Lee Westwood as the pillars of the European team in this year's Riders' Cup. Do you think it's bad for the sport that the Saudis gave them each $10 billion and ruined their relationship with Rory and the rest of the tour? P.S. My daddy says he's lost more money than Phil Mickelson in his life. I don't know. Casey, you have any, you have any thoughts on that? No. No thoughts I think, whatsoever. Listen, the Ryder Cup. I the Ryder Cup is one of the best events of the year. Nobody's nobody really talks about it. I feel like not enough people talk about the Ryder Cup this year, especially. It seems like it's kind of lost its luster with all the Saudis stuff and whatever whatever else is going on with the tour. But this it's going to be a good one. They're in they're in uh, they're in Europe. I think they're in Rome. I think that's where they're at. I don't know though. I think I think it's Europe. So you'll be able to watch it at like three a.m., which is not great for Americans. But I think it's going to be good. Bryson DeChambeau is out of it, which is great. I hate Bryson DeChambeau, respectfully. But I think with Brooks Kepka and the, and the United States guys, I think, I think the U.S. is going to win this thing uh, relatively easily, I'd say, even though they haven't won in European soil for like 30 years. But we'll see. We'll see. It's a good question um, from whoever it was and whatever class they came from. Uh, I, listen, <laughs> the... the <laughs> The Ryder Cup is an elite event. It's tough to try to ask people because I usually would would, would be up here uh, trying to get people excited about the Ryder Cup because I think it is very, very – it's a very, very enjoyable sporting event. You know, patriotism in and of itself, no matter the sport, more times than not, most people get – they get engaged, right? Uh, very similar to the Olympics. How many of us really care about swimming? 99% of this country could care less. Yet when Michael Phelps was swing, swimming for the United States of America, we'd get very excited. You turn on the Olympics and you root for Americans because that's what you do. You're a patriot. That's ultimately what golf has two times or once every other year. Yes, you could convince me that the President's Cup's a big deal, this, that, and the next, but I just don't, I don't see it. Not the same way as the Ryder Cup. For those that don't know, the Ryder Cup... Uh, has not come to American soil when they've played across the pond since the 90s. It's been something that uh, has just escaped this golfing bunch from the United States for quite some time. The whole live thing adds the intrigue a little bit for me, but not all that much if we're being completely honest, because at the end of the day, the best players in the world are on the Ryder Cup team. Outside of one guy. Do I think Justin Thomas is one of the best players in, in the game right now? Of course I don't. Could I make the argument that similar to the way that you would prefer Joey Votto to be in a big-time moment right now for the Cincinnati Reds compared to, say, a Nixon Zell against a left-hander? You could make a case in point. Justin Thomas has been a great player for a very long time one of the best players on tour just playing very very poorly right now but outside of that I think for the most part the best players on each 
roster exists. They're there. They're playing. Brooks Koepka played for Liv. He's on, he's on the uh, roster. Why? Because they, they, for the most part, want the best players. But it's really hard to ask folks to get up in the middle of the morning and the, the wee hours of the night to watch the Ryder Cup. That, is, that sucks. That's not great. It's across the pond. For those that don't know, the schedule for the Ryder Cup is literally midnight all the way up through 10 a.m. in the morning. Eastern time, of course. So if you're a morning riser, you're somebody that gets up early, then I would suggest, if even if you don't like golf, seek and find the Ryder Cup. There's more passion for golf in the Ryder Cup than all the other all the other majors and sports uh, or, 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 or tournaments combined. You think that the, the 16th hole in the Phoenix Open, you know, the one that's out in the desert where they show and it's a par three and there's a bunch of people around it. It's maybe not that crazy all the time, but it is very, very close. So the Americans are going to try to do something they have not done since the 90s. And I'm excited to watch it, but unfortunately, it is in a horrible horrible time frame to try to enjoy it um i don't know how much we really talk about golf or watch golf i watch golf a pretty good amount i know reed's a guy that doesn't watch a whole lot of golf elliot i know that you probably watch a little bit casey i'm, I'm not going to speak for him 100 percent, but i'm fairly confident he doesn't watch a ton of golf but here's the thing about all of it is i promise you if you don't watch golf but you like competition if you like the olympics if you enjoy watching kind of the Americans versus X, you would enjoy the Ryder Cup. You would enjoy the Ryder Cup. There's, there's, there's a lot of team elements to the Ryder Cup that you just will not find anywhere in golf on any other platform in any other circumstance. The we'll Friday, see how it goes. The Friday foursomes have been announced, so it's basically 2v2. Uh, match one, again, these times are absurd. Match one on Friday, which is in about a couple hours here, it's at 1.35 a.m. our time. It is Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns taking on John Rahm and uh, Tyrrell Hatton. Match two is at 1.50 a.m. Max Homa and Brian Harmon taking on Victor Hovland and Ludwig Aberg. I don't know who the hell Ludwig Aberg is. Uh, match three is at 2.05 a.m. Ricky Fowler and Colin Morikawa taking on Shane Lowry and Sepp Stratka. Match four is at 2.20 a.m. Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantlay versus Rory McIlroy and Tommy Fleetwood. And that is your, and that is your foursomes for Friday. Um, I don't know. I expect, I expect the U.S. to whoop some, whoop some ass here. But we'll see. 1.30 a.m. is tough. I will not be tuning in. Can we get a uh, – I don't know if you have the ability to do this live on the fly. I assume you can. Can, we get a, can you give me a live Betfred uh, – can, can we get some kind of odds on what the Americans and the, and the Europeans are? I would, I would venture to guess. I know, I know Elliot thinks that the Americans are going are gonna to take care of business. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I'd, be, I'd be shocked if the Americans were more than minus 140. They might even be underdogs. Not sure exactly what that looks like. But as always, you can bet on Betfred, the greatest sports book known to man. If you have a gambling problem, you call 100Gambler, 21-plus in Ohio. Um, listen, the Ryder Cup is elite. Those times are tough. But for those that don't know how the format goes, and again, for those that do, I don't want to waste a ton of time here on this. But, you know, the first day is, is a four ball. They play basically a four-man normal, normal game with stroke play. 
And then whoever gets the best stroke on that hole, that's what counts for your team. So if me and Elliot and Reed and Casey are playing and me and Elliot are on the American team and Casey and uh, Reed are on the European team, if Elliot birdies and I bogey, Reed birdies and Casey bogeys, then we would take the two birdies and you would tie on the hole. It's match play. Hopefully I didn't confuse you, but that's four ball. Then you have alternate shot. And then you have a situation where you have singles on Sundays, which is just basically 1v1 match play. Uh, and it, it does turn into uh, elite level content at some point during the day. You have a morning session and an evening session on... Um, on what would that be Saturday? I can't even. What are what? I guess what are we calling it? Are they still calling it Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Even though the times are just like, yeah, in the middle of the night. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but to us, it's really like I guess it depends on how you view your day. Are you? Let's speak. Of, this is a fun off the off the rail question of non sports. Are you the one that thinks when you're up past midnight that you still consider it tonight? Like if you're Correct. like I do hey, tonight. Yeah. But then there's some people that are like. Well, that's not tonight. That's the, actually we're, it's the morning. Yeah, like if what you, are you? If you ask me at one in the morning what the plan is for tomorrow, like if we're up, like what are we doing tomorrow? I will assume that it's after I fall asleep and wake up, not that it's right. one day fall. In yeah, the future. my days end when I sleep, so that's that's how I end my day. So if I if I go to bed at three a.m., my day, the the previous day still goes all the way until I fall asleep. You were asking what the, the spread or what the lines were. USA, even money to win, plus 100. Europe, plus 105 to win. And for them to tie, it's plus 900. Wow. That's what I'm saying, man. The Europeans got good golfers you never heard about. That's the issue with them. They got guys over there that know how to play their type of style, links, courses, and you just have never heard of them because they play on the DP uh, – Excuse me, the DP World Tour, which is basically the European Tour, and well, you also haven't heard of them because of Live Golf and what's happened there. You would have had a lot more European golfers there on the team. Unfortunately, you don't get that because Rory has still ostracized everybody that's joined Live. The U.S. though, the U.S. doesn't seem to care about it that much anymore with Brooks coming over. So, I, and I that's why wanna... I thought that question was interesting. It seems like it seems like the the relationships have been severed. Listen, I think that it was a little cowardly for, for some of those guys to leave. I understand when you get pushed a bunch of – there's a bunch of money in your face, you can do some things. Right. I understand all that. I just think I, it's all money-driven. I'm not going to blame anybody for going and getting money when it's a, when there's an opportunity. And the, and, the, and the guys that went to live, if we're being honest, they made out like a bandit because ultimately at the end of the day they got their money and now here in a couple of years at the most they're, they're going to be right back playing on tour like they, like they have been in, uh, in previous years. So kudos to them. Um, I just think that um, it could have it, it been handled better by all parties, but at the end of the day, who really cares um, about that whole situation? And it's all cleaned itself up. We get to watch some golf. If you Like I said, if you wake up early, find, your, find yourself a chance to watch that. And you know what? Even if you don't wake up early on Sunday at the very least, if you get up at 8 or 9 a.m., you still got a chance to watch uh, some meaningful golf possibly. So, so check it out. So check it out. Um, Tomorrow, uh, the Reds obviously go to St. Louis. But before we get into anything that uh, that would require MLB talk, because we've exhausted that, what is it that um, that you would expect 
from... Is there any chance in the world mm -hmm. that Lou, Lou, Lou Armadillo, of course, with all due respect, Lou, Lou Inaruma, I think, I don't know how you say that kid's name. And then by kid, I mean grown man. Um, <laughs> yep. There's no, there's no way he's back here next year. You, I mean, we've thought that for a couple of years now. But there's no way this time, right? The, the reason, it's impossible. The reason that he probably hasn't gotten a job in all seriousness, because we in Cincinnati know how good the Bengals' defense is. We've known that. The Bengals' defense isn't nationally known as some juggernaut. So if you're, if you're the, the, the Chargers, you're the Los Angeles Chargers, and they're presumably going to fire their coach at some point, if you hear that you're going to get Lou Anarumo from the Bengals' defense, that's not a sexy hire. And you could say what you want, but those things matter. Those things matter. When uh, owners are trying to make a splash with their fan base, those things matter. That's the only reason Lou Anarumo hasn't gotten a job to this point. He's interviewed a few times, but it's purely because he's not a sexy hire. He's not someone that's brought up in national media. They'd much rather, like the Broncos, would much rather go out and get Sean Payton. So you got Eric Bieniemy in him? Is that what you're saying? Kind of like that, just not well, not all that sexy of a hire. Bieniemy is not that is not that at all because everyone always talked about where is Eric Bieniemy going to go? Where is Eric Bieniemy going to go? That's not the case with the Bengals and Lou Anarumo. Once again, it, and it's because the Bengals don't have a sexy defense. We don't have the T.J. Watts. We don't have the Aaron Donalds. We have a great D, but it is a, a sum of a lot of very good ball players. None, no elite ball players. So that's that's why Lou and it, it, he's gonna get a job eventually. We thought was he gonna get one two years ago. No, we thought for sure he's gonna get one last year. So I don't know, but the reason he hasn't gotten one yet is because he's not a sexy hire. He's absolutely deserving of being a head coach, and we'll see how big of a step back the Bengals take after he's gone. But we got him this year, so that's good. I don't I don't know what other sexy hires there are out there. I don't know what job. I mean, there's normally, what, six six to seven jobs? Yeah. About one-fifth of the league normally normally has uh, open jobs. I think the Chargers are going to need a new coach. I think the Browns, if they don't have success this year, they're going to get rid of Stefanski. Um, I don't know who else is out there that's on the chopping block already. And again, it largely depends on what happens with the Bengals this year. If they go into a free fall, which I don't believe will happen, if they were to go into a free fall and the defense gives up 30 a game and everybody dies and everybody stops caring, then it could be a disaster for everyone involved. So I don't think that, I don't think that, that scenario plays out exactly like I just framed it. But uh, if the Bengals were to collapse, I don't think, I think Lou Anarumo, I think he loses some value there. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, I... I... Even if he play, if the defense is somewhat able to keep this this season alive, and that's basically what I think they're going to be expected to possibly have to do the next two to three weeks, um, and maybe for the rest of the year, who knows? Then I just can't imagine a world or a scenario where where Lou does not get another job. But this is the NFL. Crazier things have happened. I don't know. The NFL is one of those leagues now where I don't. I just don't know how. You expect to have sustained success in the NFL the way in which some of these franchises go about hiring and firing. Yeah. You know, it's just like there's successful teams in the NFL. And I, I'm not – listen, yes, I'm not trying to tout the Packers and say look at how they do it. But, like, 
at some point, there needs to be a little bit of sustainability. And you know what I would say about Mike Brown that everybody doesn't, you know, I know there's a lot of people that don't like him and say this, yeah. that, and the other. He has actually done that. He has given coaches a little bit of time to get themselves in a position where they've done it their way, and whether it works or not, he's he's seen it through. I just look at some of these franchises, and you you ask the question, and you wonder how in the world is it ever going to get fixed? And is that the reason? I guess as crazy as this sounds, a little bit, is that the reason that the AFC North has been so good for so long? Is just because they have had coaches that they've just stuck with and had faith in before marvin lewis went gone uh, was uh fired yeah there was uh there was three coaches that had been there for around a decade jim harbaugh would have been there right around a decade before zach tyler was was hired and then zach taylor but you know you know that's that's why i never get too worked up all these Bengals fans you you jokingly called zach taylor a genius i don't think there's a, a person with a with an ounce of a brain cell that would call zach taylor a genius he's obviously great for the locker room and everything like that but as as for play calling, has been great. All these Bengals fans get worked up about Zach Taylor. It's hard for me as a Bengals fan to get worked up about something because I know nothing's going to happen. So why am I going to put effort, time, energy into talking crap about Zach Taylor to say Zach Taylor's terrible, we need to get rid of Zach Taylor, when I know nothing's going to happen? It's the old thing of don't complain unless you have a solution to the problem. And I'm not going to complain about Zach Taylor because I know there is no he, – he's here. <laughs> he's here. It would take the Bengals legitimately going like 3-14 and 14 for Zach Taylor to be gone. That's the only way Zach Taylor's gone the next few years. I wouldn't even want him gone personally. I just want him to relinquish his play-calling duties. That's all I really care about. I think he's a great head coach. I don't think anyone denies that. I just – like, I would like to see what Brian Callahan can do when yeah. calling plays. And maybe maybe we don't really know the full picture. Maybe they, like, share duties, and that's why it looks so bad, like, halfway through the season, and then they get their groove. I don't know. I just uh, – that's my biggest complaint. I don't think him as a coach is bad. I just think the play calling is an issue. And you look at him being responsible for play calling and got to point it out. I think – that is reasonable, but like you said, if you want him fired, if you want him gone, that's just not going to happen. And Trace brings up a really good point about the Bengals in that when people think of great jobs in the NFL, no one, and rightfully so, ever thinks of the Cincinnati Bengals because, you know, as a franchise, they haven't had a whole lot of success. Never won a Super Bowl, have only been to the Super Bowl three times. You know, I, I would argue that they've been pretty good in a very competitive division for the past 20 years in the AFC North, but... If I'm a head coach prospect and I'm looking at teams that I'd want to be the head coach of, why wouldn't you want to go to the Cincinnati Bengals for the sole reason of job security? I mean, the Browns for forever. I mean, two, two years and out, two years and out. The Bears do the same thing. You get three years, two years, see you later. A lot of teams operate this way. The Bengals don't. And that... That's part of the reason that I don't think I'm not ever going to complain about Zach Taylor's because he's going to be here. The Bengals don't operate that way. They give you time. You'd have to be really bad for a long period of time. Shula in the 90s. The Bengals were the worst team in the NFL, and he was here for five, six years. Now, that was a different time period when coaches didn't go as quickly. But, yeah, I, I, I think the Bengals need to be thought of as a more desirable job 
whenever the Bengals go the next time to get a head coach, which might not be for another two decades. <laughs> NFL is a, is, a, is a wild, like NFL head coaches are a wild thing because even Zach Taylor, right? Like you think about just the, the, the slim margins of being a genius and the margins of just being an idiot are just things that are outside of your control that happen all the time. Like if, for instance, if you play the Zach Taylor's devil devil's advocate side, if if and if if some butts were candy and the nuts, we'd all have a jolly good time, as they say. And there's a reason there's that that's a saying. But if Zach Taylor, for whatever reason, against the Raiders and and maybe Joe Burrow throws an interception instead of throws a touchdown in that game. You find yourself where you, you lose that game. Or maybe you move on and you play against the Titans and you find yourself to where Evan McPherson misses a couple kicks. Like, the, the, the affinity that Zach Taylor gets and the appreciation he gets, it, it's so crazy to me how the margins are that small in the NFL. To where he's the same coach. He's the same exact coach. And I would venture to say that I think Zach Taylor deserves credit for the culture he's built and yes Casey brings up a valid point as to play calling and all that but that happens in the NFL it seems to be all the time I don't know if there's that many fan bases that love the play calling right it's like and, and you know what you watch the Dolphins and I must admit that I am starting to again I am starting to change my mind about coaches in the NFL and not that I don't think they matter at all I've just always felt like coaches matter when it comes to culture it's hard for me to believe that they're going to systematically do something that's so earth-shattering that it's going to revolutionize the game and allow teams to, to win an extra two or three or four football games in a season when you just got the guys you got. You either have good players or you don't. McDaniels down there in, in, in Miami has made me kind of reconsider that because they are, without question, a byproduct of McDaniels. And... You, you, you have to beg the question, is if he was in Cincinnati, what does this offense look like versus what Zach Taylor looks like? But for the most part, it's hard for me to get all that critical about Zach Taylor just based off the fact of what he's been able to do culture-wise. And that, to me, at least right this second, means more than what somebody's going to call on a third and one play. Now, eventually that needs to get cleaned up, yes. But it is safe to say that this team loves, loves playing for Zach. I guess I would just ask the quick question about Zach is how many years until realistically he would be on the proverbial hot seat, whether that's a thing or not, with this, this roster? Like if, let me, let me say this point blank. If the Bengals keep competing, they don't even have to be winning. They keep competing for playoff spots. I'm not talking about competing for Super Bowls. I'm talking about as long as this team continues to compete for playoff spots, Zach Taylor will be the head coach. It would take an unmitigated disaster for Zach Taylor to get fired. It would take the Bengals legitimately going like 3-14 and 14 over like two, three years. Zach Taylor is the coach for the long haul. Whether, I mean, whether you guys like it or not, I know a lot don't. I know, I, I, I would say very few do like Zach Taylor. But like I said earlier, it's, it's, it's hard to get worked up about Zach Taylor play call. It's hard to get worked up about anything Zach Taylor does for me because I know he's going to be the head coach going forward. And, yeah, I mean, Zach Taylor is not going to be on the hot speed seat unless the Bengals are out of the postseason for, like, three to four years. And, like, I'm not talking, like, 
eight and nine. I'm talking four and four and thirteen. That's the only way Zach Taylor gets fired. I think I think it's I don't think it's that much anymore. I think before the old the Bengals of old would have said, yeah, that's the case where we can have a free fall for a couple seasons. I think Zach Taylor is on a shorter leash than people think. I think if the if if the Bengals are to be unsuccessful with Joe Burrow, which they have been successful. Let's not, I mean, I, I don't want right. to, I don't want to misconstrue that, but if Zach Taylor has back-to-back seasons here, if, if they tank this year, they'll say, you know what? That's Joe Burrow. That's not Zach Taylor. But if next year with this talent, you come out there and you no show again, I think he's gone after next year. I don't, I don't think it would, I don't think it would take four disaster seasons for right, Zach Taylor. I guess four, four, but like two, two, two years where we're, we're winning four or five games. As long as this team competes for, like, like I said, as long as this team is sitting around eight, nine wins, Zach Taylor's our coach. As sad as that is. Just because, like, like I said, that's what we've shown as a franchise. That's what Mike Brown and this team, and I know there's new leadership over there, but Zach Taylor will be the coach of the Bengals as long as this team is competing for playoff spots. Fair enough. I mean, listen, Zach Taylor's job security is about as secure as one could get unless something crazy happens and uh, they turn into the Chicago Bears where there's the FBI raiding his house. He will be the head coach for the Cincinnati Bengals for quite some time. All right, this show has been off the rails. I mean, when I talk about it, and, and I know the joke, the joke goes that, you know, this show is always off the rails type thing, but, but man, this show was a, what, what is a, what was a wild one. We'll probably do a better show tomorrow, for being completely honest. Uh, I want to end the show by saying uh, one thing about the whole Ryan Day fiasco situation. I know it's been brought up. It's been a joke. It's oh, been all baby, these things. Here's the thing. Um, I heard Reese Davis say this uh, yesterday on a podcast, and I just kind of want to spew it out there into the open and see what others' thoughts are. Maybe it starts to get you thinking a little bit about this. Um, Reese Davis was mentioning that he felt like this was the beginning of the end for Ryan Day. And it made me think, like, that seems like a wild statement to me. Reese Davis is kind of like a, a usually well, calm, cool, collected guy that can kind of make rational statements most of the time. And his point was not so much that he didn't think Ryan Day was a, a great head coach. He just felt like the pressure was starting to get to Ryan Day. And he said that he had seen this throughout college football in the past, where as soon as, as, soon as head coaches start to read the press clippings and see the things that are said about them and, and openly and publicly start to feud those things and argue about them, then, uh, then essentially you're starting to lose grip on what's actually important. And he thinks that Ryan Day may be there. I'm not going to make maybe that overreactionary of a thought, but it is something to think about. Ryan Day has had numerous situations happen uh, in the past few years that just have not gone their way. Losing to Michigan two times in a row was unfathomable to Buckeye fans not that long ago. Ryan Day, for all intents and purposes, is obviously and clearly frustrated. Was he actually mad at Lou Holtz or was he mad about just the, the situation he finds himself in? Is he upset that there's a fan base that, quite honestly, is never going to be happy? No matter what he does, unless he wins a national championship? Is he upset that he knows that his team just still didn't play all that great against Notre Dame? And for all intents and purposes, they got outplayed. Now, yes, they won the game, and that's all that matters. But it's something to keep an eye on. 
as I mentioned, I don't know if I'm there yet with that. I don't believe in that, quite frankly. I think Ryan Day is a good coach. I think he can find a way to, to win a national championship in Ohio State. I think he's that good of a head coach. But Reese Davis points out something that I've never really thought about. As soon as you start to worry about the outside, as soon as you start to worry about what other people are doing, no matter what part of life it is, there's no question that you're starting to lose track of what's important, which is usually what you're focused on. The most successful people in life, more times than not, have a one-track mind. They have blinders on. They're focused on their own process, their own issues, and they try to fix internally whatever they think is broken. The idea of getting upset about things that are said outside of your program is one thing. But to make it a big deal and to make it about how everybody's always out to get you and it's Ohio versus the world, it always has been, might be a sign or might be a peek into what's going on already psychologically for Ryan Day. It'll be interesting to see where this all goes and how it goes. Ohio State can win a national championship this year and all is for naught. But it does beg the question, that if Ryan Day doesn't get it done this year, how many more years are left before he just decides, I'm not doing this anymore? Because that is the type of behavior that comes from somebody that's very frustrated. And it's not just about what an 86-year-old man said. We'll be back tomorrow, better than ever, from 10 hey. to 12. P. Because we do this show every single day, Monday through Friday. This has been Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. We cannot wait to have Tom back. That is uh, in two weeks. Not this Monday, but the next Monday. Thank you for watching this goofy show. We promise we'll do a better one tomorrow. I don't know if this is the best one we've ever done. But we'll try to make it the best one we've ever done tomorrow. And that's all we can do. Thank you for watching. We love you all.